0: There are a lot of lost people, there are a lot of people that are confused, but there are also a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. To suggest that you can only turn up to a church or a cathedral if you have been vaccinated, again, is wicked. There's no other way around it. No one should be denied access to the sacraments. No one should be denied access to God's house. Everyone should be welcome because the Christian faith is a faith that you can't do on your own. You can't just say, okay, you stay at home, you're still a Christian. It doesn't work like that to be a Christian. You have to be united with other people.
1: Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Ricky Orpike, and joining me shortly will be my good friend and collaborator, Mr. Jonathan Astro. We are very excited today to bring you an interview with the one and only Calvin Robinson, direct from the UK.
2: Calvin Robinson is a British political commentator, journalist, campaigner, and is in the final stages of training to take holy orders. He hails from the East Midlands, uh, has worked as a secondary teacher in the digital space, and has more recently turned to commentary writing for the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail, uh, Christianity Magazine, The Sun, The Times, The Evening Standard and more. He is currently also a presenter on GB News. Calvin, welcome to The New Flesh.
0: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: One thing John didn't mention there was Sky News. I I understand you've uh, got a bit of a relationship there and that's how I actually came to to know who you were through uh, your interviews on Sky News. I'd I'd like to know, what's your impression of Australia pre and post-pandemic?
0: First of all, I love Sky News Australia. I think it's fantastic. Outsiders and the Rita Panahi show are great because they just say it as it is. And they get away with so much more than what we can do over here with our bloody Quango Ofcom. But as for Australia as a whole, what has gone on over there? Premier Dan Andrews, I honestly think he is, you know, Demon Spawn. He's, he's been loving it, hasn't he? He's been thriving in this environment of authoritarianism. And, you know, he's he was clearly bullied at school and he's getting his own back on the people. It's awful to see. But what's even worse is that people are going along with it or people have been going along with it for the most part uh, I think there's been a bit more of a, a fight back in Australia recently than there was at the beginning. But still, I don't understand why people went along so with the draconian measures.
2: Yes, well, it was six lockdowns and counting. Uh, well, at least I had six, but I think one of those was in Sydney. Uh, Victoria was a, a dreadful uh, place—the uh, authoritarian overreach from the police. You know, you've heard it all, and I just wondered if if that has damaged our brand overseas a little bit.
0: Yeah, because we thought we always thought of you guys as the fun-loving, freedom-loving. You know, just common sense kind of guys. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. The Australians actually, they're not that freedom loving and they're not that fun loving. They, they're enjoying this and, and in some weird perverse way. And that's not okay.
2: Well, they do say that uh, we are descended from convicts, but we are also the descendants of our jailers. So yeah. unfortunately it's that's where it comes from. So let's pivot uh, onto perhaps uh, more uh, metaphysical matters uh, as well as being a uh, quite a high profile commentator on GB news. You are currently now i got to get this right. Are you, currently completing or have you completed the necessary stu- studies to become a priest
0: yes <laughs> completed <laughs> so both questions both points are right i've just finished the academic side and i've got a few weeks left of the uh more practical side so i'm still at oxford i'm still in my theological college as we speak but i've pretty much finished now um the the last things they show us are how to say the mass and you know the the practical of uh, laying the hands on at at the eucharist all that kind of stuff
2: i like the idea that the last thing was just they show you like health and safety video and you know sort of (laughs) run through the the exit the exits are this way and then you're pretty much ready to go you know yeah every now and then we might get you to give us some basic info for the heathens among us. Uh, For example, unfortunately we get, we've gotten a lot of our info from nuns on the run and things like that. And uh, that's, that's no good. Um, So, you know, for instance, some people might be asking what's the difference between like a priest and a vicar, for instance, or a, a bishop.
0: Well, there is no difference between a priest and a vicar. Uh, Vicar just means vicarious, as in their job is to um, preach to the people on behalf of the bishop. But that's also what a priest does. In fact, in Christianity, there isn't really such a thing as a priest. It's a presbyter. We have deacons, presbyters and the episcopate, which is the bishops. But uh, a priest encompasses all of that pretty much, you know, um, a presbyter or a vicar and a bishop they're both priests we're all priests in christianity because christ was the only true priest he is the high priest and we are all part of his royal priesthood so to speak so there are not priests in the way that there are in in judaism
1: well there's a there's a number of denominations out there how did you go about choosing the one that was right for you i know our audience is a little faith curious so uh this kind of information might help them uh make their decision
0: I'm not sure that I did to be honest with you um in this country, in the u k the Church of England is the established church, so it is part of the universal church uh, within this realm um if I was in on the continent, I probably would have been a member of the Roman Catholic Church if I was in South Africa, I would have been part of the Anglican Church and If I was in North America, I probably would have been part of the Episcopal Church just by birth. Um, I'm not sure it's it's a case of choosing which is the right one for me, because I don't think the Church of England is right in many ways at the moment. I don't think they're sticking to orthodox uh christianity i think they've gone entirely woke on a lot of issues so if i was choosing a denomination i don't think the church would be something that i'd choose it's something that i was born into and it's something that i hope to at least have a, a bit of an influence on and redirecting us back in the right direction back towards christ and back away away from all of the woke nonsense that's taken a hold of it recently
2: we'll definitely get on to all of that but i just I'm, I'm interested though because if you really wanted to you could become a Roman, you could get, you've got into Roman Catholicism, right? And then been part of the whole, the whole deal, you know, where you get to get, you know, you've got the, 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 Pope and, and what do they say? Bells and smells, right? Like this yeah, is. Yeah,
0: yeah. We, I mean, we have bells and smells and all of that stuff um, too, uh, but I'm an Anglican at heart. I don't, you know, I believe that the reformation was a good thing. I think the Roman Catholic church became too powerful, too political, too corrupt. and, and, Veered away in many ways, and I think the first Re- the Reformation was the first Brexit. So I am a firm believer in that. I'm sticking to Orthodox Anglicanism uh, and not I'm not going down the, the the papist route. Although I have a lot of love for my papist friends. I love
2: mm-hmm. that the first Brexit. Yeah, that's 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 a wonderfully <laughs> controversial statement. I love <laughs> it. It's <That's> wonderful.
0: Well, <laughs> it was, you know, no no foreign jurisdiction has power in this realm. The the Queen herself is our sovereign, and no pope, no king abroad has any jurisdiction over here.
1: Would you be able to run us through a typical day in the life of your studies, like from, from waking until bedtime, like a day in the life of Calvin Robinson?
0: A living history. Yeah. A, a day in the life of a seminarian. Uh, I te- if I'm if So I'm a sacristan, so I have to get up a bit earlier than everyone else because I have to set things up. So I get up at, say, 6.30, um, make sure the chapel is set up, so light the candles, turn on the lights, um, make sure the... the missal and the bible are on the right pages for people to read make sure the vestments are set out for the priest uh, and get the wafers ready for the, for the eucharist later just uh, prepare everything and then I, I open the doors at about seven so people want to come in for meditation they can do and then at se- just before 7 five minutes before i ring the bell for people to come down and we all join in the chapel for morning prayer followed by mass um, and then after that, we tend to have lessons or lectures um, for the entirety of the morning, most days, until lunch at one. Face to face? And, yep, yep, face to face. We've been pretty good throughout throughout lockdown. Our principal said I radicalised him. He got rid of masks a long time ago, and he brought the choir back in and all that stuff. He's been great. Uh, so we have less, an Oxford day, tends to be lessons in, or lectures in the morning. And then in the afternoon, it's your own time to you know, write your essays, do your reading, all of that stuff. And then we have evening prayer at 6 30 so I have to go set things up just before six in case people want to use the chapel for half an hour quiet meditation time before evening prayer Uh, and what's good about that is that we center our day around our prayer life rather than trying to squeeze it in around our work Um, and it can be inconvenient at times you know if you want to go out so there's a nice event on in Oxford or something you can't make it in the evening because you've got your evening prayer commitments but I do like the idea that we are centered around Christ and, and we're committed to that prayer life it's, it's very important to us um, so yeah that's that's a typical day and then we all have dinner about seven o'clock five days a week that is yeah yeah that's Monday to Friday and then Saturdays are our day off and then a Sunday we have commitments in the church so it is a church not just a chapel we also have a church attached to the college um so we all take part or a lot of us take part in the mass and other people are in the congregation.
2: Just a big commitment. I love that, like this is a complete opposite to. To I mean, you come from education. There's a lot of sort yeah. of excuse my French half-assed education out there. We seem to reduce the amount of time people are studying and reduce their commitments. Reduce every mm, reduce yeah. but this sounds this sounds like the the course that I kind of want to come and do it.
0: Well, this is why i chose this place this is the last true seminary in the united kingdom everywhere else has gone fluffy you know turn up for prayers if you want to you know turn up for lectures if you want to here if you're not if you're not at morning prayer you'll get an email straight away say uh oh, you went to morning prayer we're worried are you okay uh but you know passive aggressive why weren't you there because it's your obligation um i like the idea of discipline i like the idea of having obligations and committing to them uh i think that makes makes you a stronger person And I was the same when I was a teacher or a deputy head. You know, my my kids knew what what the boundaries were and we had firm discipline in place because that's how you thrive because you know within the constraints what you can do, what you can't do.
1: Is it true that you've uh, had problems getting the final sign-off, so to speak? Is there a campaign to keep you out of the church?
0: Yes, yes, there is. Um, The people in the hierarchy of the Church of England are unfortunately very left-wing, very woke very metropolitan liberal elite. They're very, you know, upper middle class. And there's a massive disconnect between the bishops and the people in the pews. I think the people in the pews are, you know, just normal English folk, uh, daily mail readers, common sense values uh, type of people. And they're being lectured to by guardian readers. And that is why we are seeing the numbers drop in the church. That is why we're seeing a massive disconnect. It's, you know, most people in this country voted for Brexit, for example. Only one bishop did, and he got dismissed, and he got sent off to a, a remote parish in the middle of nowhere. All of the bishops are Remainers. You know, we, we see them preaching about Brexit. We saw them talking about it and how bad it would be. We saw them talking about, you know, the, the government and people uh, in the government advisors. Um, They're very hard on left-wing issues. They'll talk about climate change all day long, but they hardly ever come out and talk about Christian issues. They hardly ever talk about, you know, did, I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't think I've seen any of them come out in favour of pro-life or... Um, addressing the abortion debate, which is very prevalent at the moment, or any of the, you know, this week they came out and talked about the trans issue and say, said something along the lines of a trans person can only ever be truly whole when they've in, taken part on this this journey to to, to tra- transition gender. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not Christian faith. I don't know what you're saying there. I, mean, I know you want to be a supportive person to a minority group, but that is not the Christian faith. You are preaching heresy, And these are people that should know better. So yes, there are elements of the hierarchy that are trying to keep me back. Unfortunately, they are very powerful. I have no power or influence in the church whatsoever. So it seems to me that I probably won't be ordained after all of these years of training and formation and discernment and prayer. Uh, But God has a plan. I don't know what that is. I've just got to go along with whatever doors open to me. And if a door is closed, he will open another door. And if these people you know in their wicked way want to keep me out for their own political reasons that is on their conscience and they will be judged for that
1: you could start your own church there the church of calvin
0: yeah but it's not about me and it's it's always got to be christ-centered and the problem with that i mean i could do technically but the problem with that is there's no accountability and i strongly believe in accountability i don't i wouldn't like the opportunity for my ego to become a part of this you know, I want to serve Christ. I want to serve the people. So I need a system with bishops and people that are above me that I'm answerable to and all of that. I, I couldn't just set up my own church. I could join another organisation or something, but it's all mm. tricky.
2: So... You know, I, I and I, I don't want. To, I'm not here to get you to bring the smoke on these these bishops, or to you know to sort of uh, start any beef. But I, I, I'm interested to know: do, do do the higher ups live in metropolitan areas, or do they live? Do, do any of them live amongst the people?
0: No, the bishops live in their palaces, quite literally. Bishops have palaces. Um, this is part of the problem, you know. And there's always that that humble, uh, fake humility. You know, we saw during the lockdown when the Church of England closed the churches, which I think was an evil decision. It was a wrong decision. It's almost unforgivable to keep people away. You know, we're a sacramental faith to deny people access to the sacraments, is to deny them access to Christ in a way. That is wrong. But while that was happening, and again, that wasn't the government guidance, that was the church's decision while that' was happening the Archbishop of Canterbury got there on on TV on in his kitchen saying yeah we, you know we have to stay at home and we're doing this to to f- in solidarity with other people etc and you're like you live in a palace you've got at least what half a dozen chapels that you could be preaching from within that palace there's no need for you to be in a kitchen it's that faux humility it's that yeah um, I do live the high life. I am very privileged, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to admit it and I want to, I'm one of you. I really am one of you. No, that is not the case. Do not Do not lie. Go to your chapel, say prayers for us and with us and let people go to their churches.
1: Yeah, could, could the church have been more supportive of the people during the COVID pandemic, you know, like uh, maybe uh, even a bit more critical of some of the author- authoritarian measures which kept people away from places of worship?
0: massively that's their job that's a single job you know to be there for the faithful to be there for the the church of england has a job which we call the cure of souls so everyone belongs to a parish everyone has a priest that is praying for them uh, on a daily basis and that is important because everyone belongs to that parish everyone everyone's soul is being cared for whether they know it or not whether they turn up to church or not but what we did is we closed our doors and said actually even priests aren't allowed in their churches to pray for their local congregation that is wrong um what the church should have done is stepped in and said you know we're this is a scary time you know death is something we we don't really talk about much in our society in our culture anymore but we are here to address that matter this is the job of the church we'll talk to you about death we'll talk to you about the afterlife we'll talk to you about suffering and pain and and why christ is with you throughout that And, and all of these things could have been helpful to people Uh, supporting their spiritual well-being it is the single job of the church you know the salvation of people's souls and the church let people down massively by thinking it's a public institution by thinking it's another public body by thinking it's a part of the government it's not
1: yeah well what what uh, what i'm confused by is like how can the church on the one hand believe in a compassionate son of god who took in lepers but on the other hand keep out those who are unvaccinated, you know. Is it a case of just following government rules or, or do they now believe in casting out the lepers?
0: Well, there are a lot of lost people. There are a lot of people that are confused, but there are also a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. To suggest that you can only turn up to a church or a cathedral if you have been vaccinated, again, is wicked. wicked. There's no other way around it. No one should be denied access to the sacraments. No one should be denied access to God's house. Everyone should be welcome because the Christian faith is a faith that you can't do on your own. You can't just say, okay, you stay at home. You are still a Christian. It doesn't work like that to be a Christian. You have to be united with other people. That is when Christ is present, when two or three are gathered in his name. Um, We are a communal faith as well as a sacramental faith. Um, So to say that you can only come in if you've had a medical procedure is denying people who've choos- chosen for whatever reason not to have that procedure and Christ himself would have sat with those people as you rightly said you know he chose to be with the lepers and the tax collectors and the people that society looked down upon he wouldn't just dis- he wouldn't turn them away.
2: Well I'm just thinking this through if, if if one of the main goals is salvation and 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 bringing people together and and you know, working for the common good, shouldn't there be more interest from some people in the church to to get to the bottom of what was being used as good science uh, or told to them? Shouldn't they be like, well, wait a minute? Like, our part of our mission is to bring our people together. There are people in in the way of that for very well-meaning reasons, but we've done med- meditation on this, and we can see that the truth is actually that we need to maybe, you know, get get some better answers about about this 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 medical stuff, and then we can maybe start doing the actual right thing. Or am I overthinking this?
0: Well, I mean, you're thinking about it in the right way. I don't think a lot of people were. Um, You've got to remember that pretty much all of the people in the hierarchy are the metropolitan liberal elites. They are the same people that are on our news channels. They are the same people that are in our Houses of Parliament. They're the same echo chamber. And all that they hear is that we are right. We have other science. This is, you know, the right thing to do. Everyone needs to fall in line. They weren't questioning it. Not in the same way that a lot of us were on, on the grassroots. And, and they saw us as anti-vaxxers and, and they saw us as, as wrong. And it's a great shame, but they weren't fighting for the people. And I don't know what, what else to say about it other than they were in the in the wrong. And I think history will look at them and say, Why were you not fighting for people? Why are we not fighting for their souls?
2: Any Just before we move on from COVID, are there are there is there anyone, uh, you know, obviously without naming names, but but is there anyone who who is uh, contrite about what they have what they've done, or has flipped their position to acknowledge now of what we know to be, you know, uh, untruths or at least uh, uh, mistaken ideas.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the government is starting to admit that lockdowns were a mistake, and uh, it's a measure that didn't curb the virus, but also. Massively hurt people in their mental health, you know, massively affected NHS waiting lists. You know, we've got diabetes and cancer patients that haven't been seen and that are dying that shouldn't be dying uh, because they could have been treated and were da- diagnosed and then treated. Um, so the government is starting to own up to those mistakes. But outside of the government, I don't think many people are. And I think the only reason people are admitting these mistakes now is because people are backpedaling and people know an inquiry is coming and they want to be on the right side of it.
2: Um, before we move on to uh, other matters, I just wanted to circle back to your studies for a second. Um, could you could you tell us what kind of texts you studied as part of your studies, apart from the obvious one?
0: Um, yeah, so we always try to go back to the source, so it's obviously scripture, but Aquinas, Augustine, um, everyone you would imagine, all the church fathers, we spend a lot of time on, on patristics because that's important again again going back to the sources rather than reading about people who have written about people um who else can I say that's been important um yeah I, I've read a lot of N.T. Wright but that wasn't on the curriculum um just there's there's so much McCurry uh what have I got here Vonnier uh honestly there's so much reading i love the reading this is writing the blooming essays that's the hard <laughs> work.
1: well postmodernism is pretty much all you're allowed to engage with in humanities courses these days did you have to read any postmodern texts
0: well i'm very fortunate in that this college is the last stalwart of of soundness but the church has changed their their instruction recently um, saying that you know all of these theological colleges need to address things like black theology, and I know the, the other colleges are leading the way in this and really excited about it. Um, and I think it's terrible this idea that we, you know, black theology, queer theology. Um, I can't remember what the other ones are. It's just you know critical race theory and gender theory and queer theory and all that nonsense is being pushed into theological colleges. And what they're doing is they're putting their own personal identity before god when you say black theory you're saying you're looking at you know theology is literally the study of god theology uh and what they're doing is putting themselves before god and that's that's their first mistake and that is that goes to show why they're making so many mistakes you know around things like lockdowns and brexit and stuff because they are putting their own personal worldview first and trying to shape the religion around it rather than the other way around
2: in uh, you know what I've termed <laughs> earlier the heathen world. where We hear about climas, climate climate activist clergy bishops bending the knee to BLM and bashing Brexit, which we've already sort of touched on. So, what's driving this kind of embrace of, of modern trends and political gestures? Uh, aren't aren't isn't sort of all of this these these worldly concerns just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak? But I, I, it all sounds a bit anti-transcendence. It is anti-transcendence. It
0: is um i think we've gone too liberal uh people are trying to be more inclusive and trying to make the church seem like a nicer place rather than focusing on being good they're focusing on being nice and christianity isn't about being nice it is about being good and good is objective and we're told what good means through scripture through through christ who is the truth but people are denying truth these days and think that truth is subjective and we can own our own truths and redefine our own reality and everyone else has to kind of convert to our idea of reality. And I don't think that's correct, but that, that has captured society. And unfortunately church is a part of the society and it's captured the church too. Mm. There's
1: a, there's a Catholic church near my house that always has a climate activist banner sort of out on the front lawn. And I think I heard one of your recent interviews that some churches in Britain, the crucifix has been covered over by an EU flag. Uh, I, I want to know how, how does this square with the left? Because in their world, if you subscribe to one of their views, you must subscribe to all of the woke views, which includes transgender ideology and gay marriage and stuff like that. So um, how, does, how does that work? How do, how do they just pick and choose like that?
0: I think that wokeness has become a new religion, but they haven't realised it. I think they've forgotten about Christ. Or they think that Christ is their personal yes man who will say, yeah, of course, you are right on this, you are right on that. When they, when they talk about these issues, for example, homosexual marriage, it's a, it's a really controversial topic. And no one wants to be anti-gay because people can't help being gay. We, and, and the Christian religion is about loving everyone for who they are, quite right. But that doesn't mean twisting the doctrine to make people happy. For, so, for example, in Christianity, it's a sin to have sex outside of marriage a marriage is between a man and a woman therefore if you are homosexual it's a difficult life because you have you have to either choose to be a celibate christian or you choose to live in sin and that's not to say that you are sinful because you are gay or that you are a sinful for person because we're all sinful people that is to say that you have a choice on whether to live a difficult life in christ in your faith or live a uh, what would be considered a more pr- promiscuous life outside of the faith. You can't do both. Now, people in the church want to say, well, let's just make it so that gay people can get married too. And it's like, but that's not what marriage is. Marriage is a sacrament between a man and a woman. If you want to change the sacrament, you're going to have to change scripture. And you cannot change the word of God. Uh, no matter how, I get that they're well intentioned. it's like making people happy and, 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 and being nice, but it's not about that. It's about, you know, truth. And we've seen this with the the trans debate as well. So I found that letter that came out this week from some high profile people, including a former archbishop that said to be trans is to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole, to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole. There's only one sacred journey of becoming whole and that's reuniting ourselves with God. And that is, you know, being baptized to enter his body, to enter the church and to receive communion, to, to enter in his passion um that's it there is no sacred journey of becoming whole by being trans that's that's a nonsense because man created man and woman and they are the two sexes that is it uh if you feel uncomfortable in your own body you need help you need support you need love but you don't need to be encouraged to mutilate your body that doesn't seem very right and this letter went on to say people should be able to go to church without fear of judgment that is, every church should be a safe space, you know, they're using their language uh, that affirms people in being who they are without fear of judgment. That is the least Christian thing I can think of. It's a priest's job, it's a bishop's job to talk about judgment. We should all be we, the fear of God is literally what scripture is about. We should all have the fear of God and we should all have that fear of judgment because ju- ju- the day of judgment is coming when we're going to have, have to answer for how we lived our lives and what we did. Um, so no one should be going to church without fear of judgment. I don't understand how they've gone so antithetical uh, to the faith.
2: Oh, there's so much in there, Calvin. I, 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 I also I just had this thought initially when you when you asked the question when you when you when you posed all of this. If you are have bought into this woke ideology and you're you're in the church, then aren't you coming across some awkward mind traps in that? You know, you said that to be gay is not a choice and that's what we understood up until 5 minutes ago but now we're being told through fluidity and self id and all of this new stuff that you know from Stonewall themselves we're being told that in fact all of this is a choice and that so
0: that isn't that a little awkward isn't this this starting to get a bit weird Well, you know what? I'm being charitable and saying being gay is not a choice. We don't know that because it's an area that's been taboo and scientists haven't been allowed to look into it. So there might be genetic factors and there have been hints at this over the years, but no one's dared to look into it to find out, are you born gay? Is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it a combination of the two? We don't know because no one dares to touch it. But I'm being charitable in assuming that people are born gay and they can't help it, they can't choose it. But as you say, woke doctrine changes. Woke doctrine shifts all the time. This is why you can never be truly woke, because you'll always be cancelled by something, because you can't keep up to date with all of their their shifting moralities, Uh, which is why I think that having a true faith, having the true faith, is better than being uh, part of the woke religion.
2: I don't understand this because isn't a church the only place that like a proper bigot and a trans person could probably sit next to each other and be into the same stuff.
0: It is is supposed to be uniting. It is supposed to be, you know, so we form our, it's all about identity politics. And we're supposed to form our identity in Christ. We're supposed to say, look, we are made in the image of God. Um, He has designed us as we're meant to be. And we're all united in that our identity is all in Christ we are Christians first and foremost if more people did that I think there would be less identity politics but even Christians these days are saying you know as we saw with things like black theology I am a black Christian I am a gay Christian I am a, insert my own personal self-identity criteria before my faith and that's dividing people because we can't help these immutable characteristics uh, we can't help being gay mixed race white uh, Chinese uh whatever uh, thing that people are putting before their religion you can't help those things so why are you identifying as them
1: mm. well what what is the principled christian response to woke ideology in, in your
0: view i think it's to ignore it i think the christian faith should you know it shouldn't be chasing these woke liberal progressive ideas it should be quite quite static i mean there's always room to discern and there's always room to pray and 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 learn new ways of looking at things but as a whole the faith is quite static in that it's it's countercultural. It's something different. As society goes in peaks and troughs and, and we, we alter what we think is acceptable or not acceptable, etc., the faith remains the same. So as people are getting fed up or lost in society, they should be attracted towards the church, which is offering something different. It's, it's a shining light in an never darkening world. It's, it's offering uh, faith, hope, and love. Um, based on a moral code that you can read and doesn't change uh from day to day. You know, people like JK Rowling, who were held up as heroes one minute, are cancelled the next because they're not progressing with the woke movement. You know, in the Christian faith, theres isn't isn't progress in that sense. It is in we know what it we know what's right, we know what's good, and that is universal. Um so it's offering something different and countercultural, and and I think that's what it should be doing. And it should be ignoring the woke things. Um climate crisis is is a good one because as christians it's our job to steward the earth to protect the earth absolutely because it's it's god's creation it's nature it's beauty but at the same time we should not be jumping on board with a political movement that is rooted in debatable science um and we shouldn't be preaching about that political movement at the pulpit we should be preaching how we as christians can be stewards for our environment we shouldn't be saying, look, by 2020, uh, 2050, we need net zero, carbon zero, uh, cut the emissions, by this, that. The two things don't join together. Um, and we should just leave the secular nonsense to the secularists because there are plenty more of them than there are us. So what would, what would
2: your response be? You read, a, I think, was it a newsletter just a second ago for, about that, those trans issues? What would, what would, you know, your Christian response, like if you were on a, to offer a, 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 a logical um, sort of alternative to that, what, 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 would, what would you say on, 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 the, on that issue?
0: I'll say the church is a safe space, absolutely, for everyone. Everyone is welcome to come to church. Uh, everyone is welcome to be joined, uh, to join rather, to be changed through an experience with Christ. We are not here to bend the church to societal norms. It's the other way around. We are here to be bent by the will of God, and to be changed by the will of God. And the church is there for trans people, just as it's there for every other kind of people. Um, If you are feeling lost, uncomfortable in your own body, you don't know where you belong in the world, come to church, read the Bible, speak to god you know say your prayers we'll show you how to pray we'll pray with you we'll, we'll show you that you're not on your own in your suffering not just because we're with you but because christ himself is with you and he died for you because he loves you and we'll talk about love and that's far more important than pretending that what you're doing is right we can't we can't you know it's, it's like it's like when you've got a child as a parent if you've got a child and <clears throat> they're doing something that is harming themselves and you're like and you're just pacifying them and saying, oh, that's okay, you do what you need to do. It's like it's your job as a parent saying, say, no, we don't do that because you'll get hurt. You know, don't touch the oven. You'll burn your hands. Um, it's, it, discipline and and rules are important in life as much for adults as they are for children. And to, to suggest that we're going to let people hurt themselves isn't loving. That isn't kindness. It's neglect.
1: Well, you mentioned J.K. Rowling a moment ago, and one of the hallmarks of Christianity is the importance of redemption and forgiveness and these seem to be completely absent from the woke or the intolerant left. You know, people are cast out with no opportunity to resume public life. Do you think you could expand on the Christian notion of forgiveness and redemption, and then perhaps we can talk about how we rehabilitate these ideas for the wokish?
0: We've already been forgiven by God for our sins. He, he sent His only begotten Son to this uh, earth to die for our sins because that that. That debt needed paying, and that has now been paid. He has forgiven us for our sins. Therefore, when we do something bad, all we need to do is repent, and we are forgiven. It's as simple as that. Um, that we should, of course, strive not to do bad things, and we should, we should be baptized in, in the Holy Spirit and water uh, to be born again, uh, renewed A Christian away from our original sin. However, we are we are we are all fallen. We all do make mistakes. So there is always room for further forgiveness. So I'm not saying just do what you like and then repent. I'm saying try to be good. But if you do fall, then repent and you are forgiven. And that is a very important thing because if we accept that we're all fallen, if we accept that we all make mistakes, there has to be a way to come back. And I think that's what the woke lot are forgetting in their in their moral compass. In that they look at people 's past and they say, "Well, you tweeted something ten years ago that was was bad, therefore you are now cancelled and there's no way it doesn 't matter how much time has passed and it doesn 't matter what was said there's no way to repent and there 's no way to forgive if you if you as if you say sorry and try and appease these woke people they don 't accept it uh, so there is no coming back and there is no second chance and the problem with that is that because the woke Progressive liberal movement is moving so rapidly that what was acceptable 5 minutes ago is no longer acceptable now. So everyone's going to eventually get canceled. It's the snake that eats itself. And the people that are perpetrating it don't seem to realize that they are going to cancel themselves eventually.
2: So, I don't want to put you on the spot, Calvin, but you know, is there a story from the Bible or a teaching that comes to mind when you think of bringing forgiveness to the intolerant among us?
0: I think an important one is let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Because so I think that's a lesson that the woke lot need to hear more often, in that it's easy for you to stand there in judgment of other people, but it's not your place, because you too are a sinner, you too have made mistakes, you too have done things wrong. And if you stand there and judge other people, eventually you will be the one that is judged. Therefore, unless you are completely without sin, do not cast that stone, do not cast that stone of judgment on other people. Um, so I think that's, that's an important biblical lesson that people could learn. But I think mean, the Bible is full of stories of forgiveness. It's full of Christ surprising people by forgiving them and, and surprising people by associating himself with people that other people would see as unforgivable. When he sits down for dinner with the, the tax collector or when he has food with with People who would we would assume, assume were vagabonds that hadn't washed their hands, for example, um, when he surprises us in these acts of kindness and love, that is that is is him showing forgiveness in in practicality. That simple act of
2: associating with, you know, uh, what the worldly people would call ambivalent figures or or, or, or the damned or something or the un uh, the unclean, uh, that is totally verboten now like if you speak to the wrong person like but like it, there's a of a couple of um intellectuals i think andrew sullivan uh a conservative intellectual still living down uh just speaking with or, or platforming um charles murray from a long time ago uh you know about because he's a uh he's a, it talks about controversial um uh topics and so where when that that era is the one we're living in i i i'm just staggered that this isn't this wisdom isn't isn't uh, sort of pushed more.
0: Yeah, I know. I had um, lunch with Jordan Peterson recently, and a, a whole load of really cool people. And a lot of them didn't want to be in the photograph afterwards and or people in the photograph didn't want it to be published, not because they think what he's saying is wrong or bad, but because they don't want to be seen as associating with him because they know that they will get cancelled for it. That is... You know, the wicked, there's wickedness on both sides there because there's wickedness on the, on the side of the people that will cancel you for associating with someone that they don't like. Um, but also there's a cowardice of people that are afraid of of, of of the woke lot canceling them too. We have to just affirm our faith. We have to stand by our principles and our values and say, look, either I support this guy and I think what he's saying is great or just, what well, I happen to have lunch with this guy judgment that if you need to doesn't mean i subscribe to all of his views it means i have the lunch with another human being it's not the end of the world get over it get over yourself
2: not only do i want a photo i want a t-shirt a mug i want it on everything <laughs> i'll even take the photo of you with him and put it on a t-shirt like that, that's.
0: <laughs> i'll do the whole bit he, he is he is um i think a prophet of this age he is doing god's work and half of the time he doesn't even realize it and that's what I think is so special about what he does.
1: Mm. Do you think if if all these people just just stood up though, Calvin, and and stood their ground, they would win, right? Because because we know that Twitter is only only about 10% of of Americans are on Twitter as far as I know if those statistics are correct and so the, the very small but vocal minority that that are into canceling people. I mean, um how do we get how do we get everybody to sort of stand up at the same time you know
0: yeah yeah it is just bravery it is it is giving people the courage and the permission to to own their own opinions i see that as i'm sure that's what you guys do i see that as a lot of the work that i do and that just owning your opinion publicly <clears throat> and being unafraid of the consequences and that that gives other people permission to do the same because they say oh well actually other people do think like like i do and they're saying it so maybe I can too and we just have to keep doing more of that and people just have to say yeah I believe x y z you know I believe that there are two genders because it's what I was taught in biology in primary school I'm not going to be told that there are 99 genders because I think that's a lie and I don't trust you for saying it and you can't cancel me for believing in basic science um people have to say I'm you know I'm black, but I don't feel oppressed. I feel like I have equality, equal opportunities in this country. I think we have equality under the law. I'm not going to be told that I'm a victim just because mm-hmm. it makes you feel better. People have to say, look, I happen to have been born white. I can't help that. It doesn't make me a slaver. It doesn't make me an oppressor. I think you're a racist for saying that. Um, we just have to stand up for common sense. We have to stick by our principles, stick by our guns. And if we all stand up, they can't cancel all of us. But it does mean that the initial few have to first stand up and other people will join you.
2: Maybe just on that, on you've already mentioned courage. To Anyone listening to this thinking, what are these blokes on about? All this woke stuff will go away and everything will go back to normal soon. What, what would you what would you say to that?
0: Well, I would say that's what we thought originally when all of this nonsense was just in universities and then it spread further afield. And now it's in every single public body, you know, from hospitals uh to the government to news broadcasts anything you can think of with a public arm now has workers embedded in it and we're spending a lot of our money on on this nonsense and we're indoctrinating young kids into thinking along these lines and if this is all they're hearing all day in school this is all they're hearing all day in university and this is all they're hearing all day at work they're going to start to believe this stuff and it's going to shift our society down the wrong track and at some point, it's going to be irre- irreversible. So we need to stand up against it now while it's not too late.
1: Mm. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask you what is now one of the most offensive questions you can ask today, and that is, should we be proud
0: of Western civilization? Absolutely, we should. The the marvels that have come out of Western civilization, You know, I'm I'm sick and tired of hearing people drag us down and bring us down after this, this, I'm going to call it white guilt, because it is, it's this metropolitan liberal elite idea that everything in our past is wrong because some of the things in our past were wrong. Yes, we had a part to play, and I say we as in, I mean, it's a broad we, but we had a part to play in the transatlantic slave trade. Yes, we did. And that is an evil that we should apologise for and we should... likewise move on from we cannot stay in that period forever because if we look back in in history pretty much every race has either been a slaver or or enslaved at some point it's a, it's a horrible evil of human history uh, it didn't start with the transatlantic slave trade and it certainly didn't end there but what we can say about that particular period in history is that the British Empire was instrumental in ending that trade on a global scale. Uh, So we can't just say the British Empire was evil and wicked because it partook in slavery, because we can't say it was angelic for ending it either. So we have to take history holistically. And if we do take history holistically, we will see that the British Empire spread hospitals, churches, charities, uh, education, um, hospitals, do I say hospitals? Uh, Railways. They're doubly important. uh, A whole load of infrastructure around the world. So, my father's side of the family are from Jamaica. So, people are like, oh my God, slavery, and you guys were taken from your homeland of Africa. Well, the British government should apologize to Jamaica. The British, there would be no Jamaica if it was not for the colonies. Every single thing there was built and maintained for the empire. And this is why the vast majority of people in Jamaica, uh, in the latest poll, voted that they think they would be better off if there remained a colony of the British empire, believe it or not. They believe they would be economically better off. And I too too do think that because we were stronger united. It was a a global uh, effort to improve civilization and they didn't get everything right. But for the most part, they did. They did a lot of good around the world.
2: So what did you think when you saw people across the West tearing down and defacing statues, writing racist beneath Churchill's statue or those monstrous uh, uh, violent riots in Portland with, with mayhem, tearing, tearing down, well, everything in sight, really? Um, I'm also thinking of the case of, was it the Colston Four, mm. I think, from from Britain? I mean, what, 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 what did you make of all of this?
0: It's just ignorance isn't it really um i was at 10 downing street this week and i post posed with a photo of Ch- winston churchill because he's a bit of a hero of mine uh, i think he's probably instrumental in you know one of the solo figures in history that helped prevent fascism on a global scale i think that's something to be admired to be honest with you but some of the comments i received after posting the photo was yes but he was a racist or you know things along those lines it's like this guy was one of the most important figures in global history. Literally, without him, a lot of the world would be speaking German right now. A lot of the world would be living under fascism. This one figure, this one person. And yes, it was a global effort and lots of people joined him. But without him standing up, a lot of it wouldn't have happened. So to look at him and say, oh, yes, but, is undermining a great, great work that he did. And I think we always want to judge people of yesterday by today's standards and today's standards are wacky anyway so it's, it's stupid to think that we are somehow sup- morally superior today uh, compared to what we were in the past but even on things that we are even on things that we would pretty much uh, universally accept that we're better at today such as tolerance for example even that we cannot judge people based on those standards we cannot say because he lived in a time where he wasn't surrounded by multiculturalism, multi-ethnicity, because he lived in a time where different cultures were seen as unequal and different in a lot of ways, uh, and probably were, to be honest. Because he lived in that time, we cannot judge him by the standards of today, where we are used to living in diverse neighbourhoods with different people and different cultures that we, we seem to see as, as equal today. Uh, and even that's a debatable point. Um, so I think it's wrong of people and naive of them and ignorant of them to judge the past by today and to tear down statues. That's vandalism. To, to graffiti. That's vandalism. So these people are wrong. These people are breaking laws. But
1: what about the fact that, that these people were—they uh, weren't just let off completely, but in, in, in some cases they were encouraged and praised by the laptop class. You know, I'm thinking of the, the Colston Four. I mean, weren't they? Weren't they just let off the hook for their yeah. their work?
0: Yeah, yeah, because, you know, again, it's just seen as morally superior. The, it's acceptable to break the law now as long as you're doing it for a right reason, and I'm using inverted commas there for people who are listening on the audio. It's just, but that's so problematic because who classes what is right and what is not right if we're not using a universal moral code, for example, scripture? If we're just making it up as we go along, what what the of four did I didn't see as right? Am I in the majority or the minority there? Who's to judge that? Who's there's been no polling on that? It's just people, metropolitan liberal elite people saying, well, of course that's right. We know that's right. And that, I don't think that's acceptable. Calvin, can't what can we do? It's so frustrating to talk about this stuff. So because what
2: can we do to plant our feet and to take the I would have thought Churchill was low-hanging fruit, as in, can't we all plant our feet and and look people in the eye and say, this guy's our guy? And uh, you're just going to have to deal with that. And when they say, oh, but, you know, I think he might not have been into non-binary people, we, we, could, we could say <laughs> in response, well, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to live in a reality where, where both of those things are true, where he might not be into something that came out three seconds ago. And he also saved you from uh, the Nazis. And not everybody's
0: perfect as well. And that's the issue. I don't think they I don't really don't think they understand this. When they're tearing down these statues, they're looking in people's past and, and looking for flaws and faults. But we all have them. Every single one of us has them because that is the thing. We are all fallen individuals. So what are they looking for? Who who is acceptable to these people? And I think most of the time it's people that are currently alive. It's people like Greta Thunberg, it's people like that, that they see as heroes that that we don't necessarily know which mistakes they've made yet or they haven't made them yet but what happens when they get cancelled you know like i said about jk rowling she was a hero for a time and now she's been cancelled so everyone that was naming schools after her are now already renaming them and she's not even you know dead and buried she is a living person um so mm-hmm. for the people that are dead and buried that they've got no chance of redemption like we talked about earlier it's just it's all so stupid that's what it is it's dumb were you supportive of Lawrence
1: Fox's campaign to erect more historical statues?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a good idea. That's, that's, it's, it's, but even then, it's, it's troubling, isn't it? If people are saying, look, because people have different arguments, some people, people are turning down statues because they think they're racist and, and outdated and whatever, but some people are saying, well, we want more black faces, we want more you know, multiculturalism, etc. You know, it's, it's difficult to do
2: but- with a statue. Isn't it the colour? It is difficult, but if
0: that's (laughs) what we want. Okay, let's look at history for more figures that need to be celebrated, sure. But they're they're also going to have flaws. They're also going to have things that are cancellable. I don't think it's a winning argument. We can't appease the work. We can never, ever appease them. We can't try.
2: It's so silly because you could say anyone. You could say, Socrates, let's have have a, a stage and they'd say, yeah, but was he any good? You know, I mean, it wouldn't matter who it is. No. anyway you don't have to say anything to that Uh, (laughs) all right well maybe we can uh uh uh, come to something more hopeful so you talked about bringing uh, back truth and beauty now it sounds odd to say but I would argue that these concepts are not really spoken about much these days I talked I taught some young adults in in screenwriting and they'd never really thought deeply about those two words at all and we had to I, I had to look up the word beauty for them because they didn't know really what it meant at all not really and they tended to look at everything in terms of a kind of globalist left-wing moralism the sort of netflix ideology can you sell us on truth and beauty
0: yeah um truth beauty and goodness are fundamental uh, and they have been instrumental in building western society and i think now that we've forgotten about them we're, we're seeing the fall of society we all see it is like the fall of rome right now it's just madness out there because we've lost track of the transcendentals. Truth is important because it's universal and it's something we can strive towards. You know, the pursuit of knowledge is what's led us to grow in the West. Um, People worship the Enlightenment. I don't think the Enlightenment was good in every aspect, but where it was good, it it was in that pursuit of knowledge. And that comes from science and that comes from Christianity, believe it or not, that wanting to find God and, and explore God in his universe beauty is about what's what helps us as human beings we, beauty is objective we know beauty from the moment we are born we are instantly attracted to pretty faces over ugly faces for example as babies this is scientifically provable um you know as we walk down the street, we, we understand good, beautiful architecture, even though they're trying to drive that out of us with all this metal and glass that they're pumping up left, right, and centre. Uh, and I think that is, is subversive in itself. It's this idea that what was, you know, anything of the past is bad, including beautiful architecture. It's all about let's convince people that we are creative and we can create something better now because we're better people now, and that's not true. Uh, beauty is something that we know in our soul and it directs our gaze out outside of us. It's bigger than it subverts our ego. And it should, I think, point to us or direct our gaze toward God. And that is why I think, honestly, the Renaissance period was probably um, the, the peak of art and culture, This because everything was created um all all the artwork from that period was so beautiful and we have never had anything since as beautiful as that because it was all about god it was all about something bigger than us and now everything's about us everything's about the self everything's about celebrating our personal identities our personal selves we are the gods and that's why everything's become ugly um that's why beauty is important and goodness again objective all these things are objective what is good is doing good works, is is loving God, loving your neighbor. And so that might mean feeding the poor, that might mean educating children, that might mean healing the sick. What is not good is virtue signaling, but people think it's good and all they I don't know if they really think it's good. I think it's lazy, it's convenient. But sticking up a black square on Instagram, sticking a rainbow flag in your name on Twitter, or EU flag or a Ukraine flag. Um, sticking bios in your pronoun. These do not make you good. They are virtue signaling. They are wanting to appear good without doing good works. Um, And goodness is objective. It's scriptural. We know how to be good people. God came down to earth and told us himself.
1: Can can faith bring you moral courage to speak out about things you know to be wrong, even if they have nice sounding
0: names like anti-racism? It can do, yeah, if you pray on it. But it's difficult isn't it this whole anti-racism all of these movements are designed so well like nobody wants to stand up and say i'm against the anti racists because by default that makes you sound like a racist but they used to be middle ground they used to be used to be good enough to just not be racist and it's the same with all of these movements i, I don't want to be pro-lgbt i just want to not be homophobic why is that not okay anymore um and it's a, they're all Kafkaesque traps, they're all designed that way on purpose. It's tribalizing people, it's getting rid of nuance, getting rid of debate and conversation, saying you are one of us, or you are the enemy. And I don't think that's right. I don't think it's helpful. and I don't think it's good.
1: Well, I think one of their most genius names is Black Lives Black Lives Matter. You know, I mean, you cannot—you
2: couldn't even say it properly.
1: Rick. I know I can't even say it properly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that says everything to me.
1: <laughs> well, you can't say you're not for Black Lives. You know, I mean, that's that's the genius that the left, uh, the left is just genius with with the way they uh, they play with words. You know, I don't think we we give them
0: enough credit for that. Really, no, they are smart in that, and it is naturally divisive because what's you know of course of course black lives matter no one's saying they don't matter but putting the argument forward suggests that there are people saying the opposite and to come back and say all lives matter which is the actual truth just makes you sound like a bigot
2: so calvin i'm very confused as to why the church wouldn't want strong voices like yours in the room isn't there a proud tradition of discussion and robust debate going back centuries you mentioned all those texts you're reading isn't this the whole point of Theology to sort of derive the clearest message from from the text.
0: Yeah, um, but they don't want to be. They don't want to tell people that they need to repent. They don't need to. They don't want to talk to people about sin, and they don't want to talk to people about universal truth. They want to be seen at the moment as being nice. Um, They want to say, you know, like we we saw with the statement, "If you're trans, you're, you're looking for your whole person." They want to say, "We are a safe space." They want to say um you know we believe in the climate crisis and we need to be doing better we want, they want to say that black people are oppressed and that the church is institutionally racist as is the country we need to be doing better what they don't want to do is stand up there and proclaim the, the gospel they don't want to say that there is one true god and we they don't want to convert people they don't want to um make disciples of for example all these muslim immigrants that are coming to this country no 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 that would be bigoted um They don't want to affirm Christian values of one man, one woman is marriage, because, of course, that too would be bigoted. In fact, I think that they think that the Christian faith is a bigoted faith and and they've lost. They don't. A lot of them don't seem to know Christ anymore. They don't seem to adhere to his word. Um, And they they they're on a moral superiority complex. They think they're better than the faith now. That's troubling.
2: Well, I think it's probably time we should uh, wrap this up for you, Calvin, because I know you have uh, uh, pressing engagements. but I will tell you what, um, if I had the choice, uh, I'd I'd probably just rubber stamp you in today.
0: But to the, <laughs> but
2: I'd, they, the church don't get back to my emails, unfortunately. So well, keep, keep
0: emailing them because they need to hear from people like us, and that's another thing. So they only ever hear from the woke lefties. You know, I I put out a tweet once saying that um, we, it's our duty as Christians to disobey immoral laws because and I don't want to use God. I don't want to fall to Godwin's law, but it's just an easy example. So we know now from from world war ii that it's no longer acceptable to say i was just following the rules i was just following orders i was just following the law that's not good enough it's not a good excuse if some if someone puts a law in place that we see to be immoral see to be against our faith it's our duty to stand up and say no now i put that out there and i said that i think that uh vaccine mandates are wrong i think enforcing people to wear masks on their face is wrong it's it's we are a communal people. We need to see faces to communicate, to show to smile to each other, to show love. This is all very Christian thing. Now, they had the hierarchy had a complaint about that, I believe. I haven't seen these, I never see any of these complaints. Um, suggesting that Calvin Robinson wants my vulnerable wife to die because he's anti mosque. Now, that is clearly not what I'm saying. I don't want anyone to die. I'm, a, I'm <laughs> coming at this from a positive perspective. No, but you about- would
2: say that. You would
0: say that. That's, this is just a big ruse. But they only ever hear from these bloody wet liberals who are looking at everything that I'm saying in bad faith. And they need to hear more from good, solid Christians that believe in the faith and say, and, and support the gospel and actually think that common sense is a good thing and not something to be sneered at. So they do need to hear from normal people like us more often. Uh, so keep writing those letters, I would say.
1: <laughs> well, how can people see your work or hear your, read your work, Calvin
0: um i'm afraid that any moment i'm gonna get, get banned and blocked on twitter but i'm calvin robinson on twitter facebook instagram getter uh all of those things i'm calvin robin hood on tiktok because i didn't manage to sort that name out but i'm everywhere all of there if you want to read my telegraph work or my daily mail work, work or my Spike work just google calvin robinson and they'll all come up anyway
2: and we have a one tune, final tune selfish question Oh, absolutely! Everyone should tune into GB News. Absolutely. But final question yeah. from us is: What are you reading right now? We'd love to know what people are reading. I
0: am reading um, I'm reading. I'm reading *Bride's Head Revisitors*, and I'm also reading *Anglican Ecclesiology* by Bishop John Fenwick.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, just a nice. <laughs> I'm reading
0: some fiction and something some, light. Some, some weekend reading.
2: *Bride's Head Revisited* <laughs> and something light as
1: well. Yeah. Okay, very good.
2: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Thank you so much, Cal. It
1: has, thank you. God bless. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you.
2: We'd love to have you back sometime, but when you're a priest, thank you.